Today's scripture reading is 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1 through 12. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says, Jesus is accursed, and no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except in the Holy Spirit. Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given, through the Spirit, the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by the one Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, the ability to distinguish between spirits. To another, various kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Good morning, church family. Um, Good to be with you all. My name is Reed Kappel. I serve as the campus pastor here, and so whether you're here with us live or with us online, uh, it's a joy to worship with you, uh, to hear from God's Word. And so um, happy Labor Day weekend to you all uh, and to you, you kiddos. Thank you for being here. We're glad you guys are in here. If you didn't get one of the Kids Connects uh, coming in, you can grab them in the, the tables uh, in the vestibules in the backs. And so we are so glad to have you guys in service, worshiping as a family. And so um, as we continue to worship, let me pray for us as we move forward and as you prepare to hear uh, from the word of the Lord. So let's pray. Father in heaven, we ask that in this time that you would make yourself known to us. Lord, as we gather in this space and in our homes, we, we come from various backgrounds with various challenges and heartaches, anxieties and burdens. Lord, we ask that you would be the God who tailor fits your care and comfort to us, that you would apply and speak your word to us, that would reveal to us the ways in which we do not walk in your ways, as well as the ways in which we can live more fully in your design. And so, Lord, may this time be edifying to us, honoring to you. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be pleasing and acceptable to you, our rock and our redeemer. It is in the name of Christ and for his glory that we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, I, um, I don't know about you, but I, 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 th- I think I can speak for all of us when I say we, we love devices. I think it's just modern, contemporary people. We love devices. And I mean, whether it's our phones, whether it's earbuds, tablets, or anything that Sky Mall Magazine puts out, I think we, we just love devices, right? This is, you can buy this now for three easy payments of too much money. But, but we all love devices. We, we, we love them because we think that they promise a sense of ease and comfort and efficiency to our lives. And, and for me, I, I, there's a device that, that I find to be like I can't live without. And, and for me and my family, it is a Wi-Fi pow- empowered uh, coffee scale. It is a scale that we use to put our coffee on uh, because I am, I'm a coffee snob. I can, I can admit that. I'm a recovering coffee snob. And it, it, just mean, it doesn't mean that I just like coffee. It means that I have a palette for high-quality coffees, and I look down on everyone who doesn't agree with me. That's basically all that means. But, but, but for my family, so my wife and I, Megan, um, I'm married to a coffee snob, so that doesn't help our, our problem, but we have a coffee subscription 
where we get coffee sent to us from around the country. It's our, like our favorite thing in the world. And it comes with a scale that's connected to Wi-Fi, and it notifies the roasters and the distributors of when we're, when we're about to be out of coffee, it ships it and arrives so that it gets to our house the day before we run out. There is a God, and He loves us, people. <laughs> and, and truly, like, th- th- this, is, this is kind of my device that I love. And before you kind of judge me for my opulent lifestyle, you all know that you have a device that you wonder how you survived without it. And, and, and the reason I share this, again, we, we like our devices, and I'm not a Luddite, I'm not trying to criticize our connection to devices, but, but I share this because I think in some ways, Christians in particular, I think the way in which we approach and understand and even study and relate to the Holy Spirit is very much how we relate to and understand and use our devices, that the Holy Spirit is, is helpful and, and, and useful, and that the Holy Spirit is a part of our lives to kind of bring a sense of co- comfort and ease and to kind of make life better. And in one sense, that's true. If you were with us last week, uh, Nathan talked about how the Holy Spirit is our helper. These are the words of Jesus, our helper, as declared in the Gospel of John. But, but what we have to understand is that, yes, while the Holy Spirit is our helper, He is the helper who helps us help others. Did you, you track with me? The Holy Spirit is a helper who helps us help others. And when we miss out on what the design and the purpose of who the Holy Spirit is and how He works in our lives, we may see the Spirit as purely a giver of gifts for our own personal benefit and gain. And that's true to some degree, but if we fail to see the gifts are given for the sake of others, we will miss out on the fullness of who the Spirit is and what it means to receive and steward the gifts He gives us. Or to put it more simply, and this is the one idea that I want us to kind of understand today together, it's this. The Spirit gives gifts to be given away. The Spirit gives gifts to be given away. I believe this is the driving declaration of the Apostle Paul in this section of 1 Corinthians that Tyler read for us. And I want to give us some context. So if you're new to where we've been kind of in this series, it's the story of the Spirit, And we're telling the canonical story kind of throughout the narrative of Scripture of the Holy Spirit, which is why we're kind of jumping around from book to book. So I want to give us some context as to where we are. So the Apostle Paul in the New Testament is writing to the Corinthian church. And and he's writing to this church that has um, essentially kind of been guilty of committing a a laundry list of, of sins and false teachings. And so there's a lot that Paul has to say to this congregation. If there ever was a church that needed to be put in time out, it would be the Corinthian church, you know? And this letter that Paul is writing, it's, it's essentially the equivalent of like when your mom or dad calls you out by your full name. Do you kids that ever happen, you know? It's like, like, like I, never, I never think about like my middle name unless I'm in trouble, you know? But what Paul is doing in this letter, he's basically saying, Corinthian Suzanne Church, get it together, okay? That's kind of what he's saying. This is the tone of Paul's letter to this church that has made some serious mistakes, And the specific issue that Paul is addressing in this context, in chapter 12, is around the issue of spiritual gifts. But the subtext behind it is really about division within the church. So Paul is addressing the gifts uh, that are given to us by the Spirit, but the deeper issue is the division that these gifts have created, ironically so, because the gifts are designed to unify the church, And so there's this deep-seated division that is really behind these problems emerging in the church, and the spiritual gifts is no exception. You see, what had happened within the Corinthian church is that they had come to essentially place a, a hierarchical value system on the gifts. 
to where the people that had these gifts were of more value and importance, and the people that had these gifts were of lesser value and importance. And for Paul, this was a serious issue, not just because they were failing to receive the gifts as the Spirit had designed them, and because they were creating division, but because they had basically perverted the gifts into this thing where it was essentially a symbol of of self-serving status rather than gifts to be given for self-sacrificial service. And so, so the Corinthian church had basically viewed the gifts as something that kind of gave them status, set them apart. And Paul is saying, you have missed out on what the purpose of the gifts are. Because again, the Spirit gives gifts to be given away. They are not for our own personal gain and glory. The gifts are given to be given away. Now, I'm certain there are many questions that some of us may have about, about the spiritual gifts. About like, what, what are the spiritual gifts? Do, do all Christians have all the gifts? Are all of the gifts at play in our day today? Is finding funny YouTube videos a spiritual gift? I hope so. I really do. But, but I, we, I'm sure we have a lot of questions, and I, well, time won't permit me to answer all of these questions, and frankly, that's actually not even the focus of what Paul's writing about. I do want to at least give us some suggested resources if you want to kind of explore them deeply. So if you want to kind of jump into the spiritual gifts and learn more about it, two books I would recommend, one's kind of more entry level, is The Four Views on the Spiritual Gifts. And so it's a great series of books that addresses different perspectives around different doctrines. That's a great starter. If you want a little bit more of a theological excursus on the gifts, I would recommend Showing the Spirit by D.A. Carson. Showing the Spirit by D.A. Carson. So these are just some helpful resources I would recommend to you. But for the purposes of today, what I want to address is the focus of what I believe Paul is focusing on, which is that the gifts are given to be given away. The focus isn't on which gift does this and which one is more important. Again, that's what Paul is actually addressing, the division that has taken place in the church around people assigning a value to one gift and thus to one Christian over another. But the Spirit gives gifts to be given Away. So let's turn to our text, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, uh, and I'm going to read verses 1 through 3 for us one more time here. So starting in verse 1. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. Now, in some ways, this term spiritual gifts is a bit of a misnomer. You might even see this in your Bible in the footnotes that the word, the phrase spiritual gifts can actually be translated spiritual people. And I think that's a more accurate translation given the context of what Paul is addressing. In other words, he's talking about people whom the Spirit has endowed certain gifts upon. And I think this is a more fitting translation because of the context. Remember, the Corinthians had focused they were focusing on specific gifts given to specific people, elevating their status over others. But the Spirit focuses on all the gifts given to all people to bless all people. There's a wider scope that the Spirit has a focus upon in the giving of gifts. You see, the Spirit gives gifts to all believers. Paul makes this clear in his teaching here and elsewhere. And the purpose is not for their own personal gain and glory. It is not not kind of a spiritual self-actualization of of how am I uniquely gifted so that I can find purpose and meaning and value in my life. That's, That's part of it. 
But the gifts, again, are given by the Spirit to be given away for the sake of others. And Paul makes this very clear in verses 4 through 7. Now, there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are varieties of service, but the same Lord. There are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all and everyone. To each is given a manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Did you notice the repeated themes of unity and diversity in this very brief text? The gifts are given not by the Spirit, not as door prizes or as spiritual religious trophies, but rather, and and they're not given to kind of show our spiritual status, but rather the Spirit gives gifts precisely for the purpose of unifying the body, of serving the needs of others, and magnifying the Lord Jesus. This is kind of the threefold approach of what the gifts are designed to do. Unify the body, serve the needs of others, and magnify and glorify the Lord Jesus. Again, the Spirit gives gifts to be given away. And when our focus is on others and the glory of Jesus and the unity of the church, then we have a proper understanding of how to receive and steward the gifts that we have received. This is is why Paul loves using the metaphor of the body in describing both the church and the the diverse gifts that the church has received. We see this in, in verse 12. Look with me at verse 12. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. And so what was happening within the Corinthian church is that rather than seeing the beauty of all these diverse gifts of like, man, I love that you were gifted in this way. It's different from the way I'm gifted because we can come together and be better together. That the collective part of all of our gifts is greater than the sum total of our individual gifts. Rather than having that perspective, the Corinthians had come to divide over the gifts and it created this kind of ecclesial class system of saying, you are better than this person because you have this gift, and you are inferior to this person because you have this gift. But just as one part of the body can, cannot claim to be better than another part of the body, neither can Christians who are a part of the same church claim to be better or more important or more significant or more integral than, an, than another member of the church. Let me illustrate this way. Uh, earlier this year, I, I competed in some adventure races with, with two of my buddies from college, Mike and Matt. Uh, we played Ultimate Frisbee together at K-State. And, and these races, I'd never done this before, but these races uh, function like this. You show up two hours before the race, and your team is given a, a very detailed topographical, topographical map and a compass. And on this map, there are, there are multiple checkpoints that you have to go and find. You have to navigate to. Some of them you have to bike to. Some of them you have to run to, some of them you have to like just bushwhack through the, the woods through, and some you have to canoe to. And, and we have to kind of plan out our route and figure out how to get there and work together as a team. And, and so th- this race took us eight hours, it was almost 50 miles, uh, and we actually placed in second in our division. And it doesn't matter how many teams are in our division, we placed second, that's all you need to know, okay? <laughs> there it is. <laughs> But here's the thing, we would not have had that very prestigious second place uh, status if we didn't learn how to rely upon each other's unique giftings. You see, Mike was our orienteer. He is the guy who had the map and the compass. We trusted his direction. Matt, our friend, he was our pace setter. He is our biking enthusiast, and so he set our pace. I brought the snacks, and that's, that's, 
That is important work, y'all. It's very important. But, but in all seriousness, the success of our team was predicated on our ability to recognize and rely upon each other's unique gifts. And if I was so consumed with my abilities and what I brought to the table, I would miss out on on what it means to function as a team. In the same way, the church must receive her gifts from the Spirit and rejoice and delight in all of the gifts, in all of their diversity, in unifying the church, serving the needs of others, and praising the name of Jesus. But all of that even said, you're like, okay, I get that, I can see the purpose, but, but the question still remains, what are the gifts? And, and how do they function? And so, so let me, there's much can be said, but I, I found this description uh, by Tim Keller to be very, a helpful starting point. And Keller says this, every Christian receives spiritual gifts. A spiritual gift is an ability that comes to you freely for the purpose of ministering to needs so as to build up Christian community in size and depth. This doesn't mean gifts only meet needs of Christians. They meet needs in Jesus' name as a witness and sign of the coming kingdom. The bottom line is that every Christian is in ministry through the church. No one is merely a consumer of services. Everyone is a distributor. Or to put it more simply, the Spirit gives gifts to be given away. Now, there's three quick things I just want to point out from from this kind of description that Keller gives, and it's this. The first is this. There's no such thing as a Christian without a gift. There's no such thing as a Christian who takes credit for their gift, and there's no such thing as a Christian who doesn't serve with their gift. I'm going to say it one more time. There's no such thing as a Christian without a gift. There's no such thing as a Christian who takes credit for their gift, and there's no such thing as a Christian who doesn't serve with their gift. So if you are a Christian, if you are a follower of Jesus, and if you are a member of this church, there is a loving expectation placed upon you to serve in ways that builds up this local body. And many of you are are doing that so beautifully and faithfully in serving in your gifts to uplift this body. But friends, I would be a bad pastor if I didn't also say that there are many of us who are a part of this church who aren't serving. Who, who aren't recognizing that this is a place for me to steward my gifts, to edify the church, unify the church, serve the needs of others. And so Christ Community James Church, and, and I'm, I'm, just, I'm, I'm being a little bit facetious here, but, but truly, like, we should be serving. That we should be serving and understanding that we've received gifts to be given away for the sake of others. And I know that this can be easily interpreted as a guilt trip from your pastor, and that is not my heart and intention. Because what I believe deeply is that one of the ways that we are formed and shaped in the image of Christ is by emulating his servant heart nature. So what does it look like for us as a church to adopt this posture that we have been given gifts to be given away? And so my encouragement to you is to find ways to serve, volunteer, meet needs around you, ask the question of where are there needs among us and how can I accomplish meeting those needs? Maybe it looks like joining one of our outreach partners and serving with them as they seek the welfare and the flourishing of our city. Again, the Spirit gives gifts to be given away. Do we have that posture as we think about what has been entrusted to us? Now, you you might be thinking, okay, okay, that's helpful. I have a category. Gifts are given to serve others. I get that. I understand that. But, But how do we understand the difference between spiritual gifts and just mere talents? 
What's the difference between a spiritual gift and what we might call a natural talent? And and let me try to explain that distinction by by addressing maybe the two extreme problematic ways of viewing the gifts. The, The first problematic way is this, in my humble opinion, is to view the gifts purely as nothing more than supernatural powers that accomplish and bring about supernatural ends. And so in this way, when we think of the gifts in this way, well, it's like, well, you must, if, you don't, if you're not accomplishing something supernatural, you clearly don't have the work of the Spirit in your life. And I think this is a bit of an extreme view and one that I think the Corinthians had fallen into because the gifts are not purely always these grand, extraordinary, supernatural things. I believe the Spirit does do and accomplish supernatural things through the church, but that is not the same as saying this is how the Spirit always works through the church. Because when you look at Paul's teaching, both here and elsewhere on the gifts, he references gifts that seem kind of rather commonplace, like leadership and generosity and knowledge. But these things are grand and extraordinary, not because of the the goal that they accomplish, but in the one who empowers it. So the one extreme view is to see the gifts as only being supernatural. But the other extreme is to kind of flatten the gifts to say they are nothing more than just our natural talents. And I think this is also a problematic way of viewing the gifts. I think the difference between our natural talents and the gifts of the Spirit is a distinction of form, or of, of function, not form. Let me explain it this way. I believe the spiritual gifts are abilities that we are given that when used properly makes God's presence known. The spiritual gifts are abilities that have been given to us that when used properly make the presence of God known. In a way where where after you have spent time with someone who's exercising their gifts for the sake of others and for the glory of Jesus, you leave almost with this sense of that was a taste of heaven. It it, it felt like God-like kind of breaking in. It feels as though that we're experiencing and tasting the kingdom that is to come when we experience and are the beneficiaries of someone's exercising of their gifts. I mean, this is what Paul means in verse 7. When he says this, to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. It's the difference between someone who is just generous, who has maybe a proclivity to being generous, and someone who has a unique closeness and connection to God when they are generous. Someone who has a very powerful sense of of the power and the presence of God when they are generous, to to the point where they just like, they, they love that opportunity. I think we all know people in our lives who, who kind of serve and function that way, like, man, you were created to do this. You, you light up. Lives are changed when you exercise gifts around you. It is completely evident and infectious. Think of it this way. Some of you have the gift of service to such a degree that when you drop a meal off at someone's house, you thank them. Like, you're, you're, you're just like so, like, you love caring for the needs of others, and you love the opportunity that was given to you to meet the need of someone in a time of crisis. Or, or some of you, you, you have the gift of mercy to such a degree that you almost feel strange when joy floods your heart when someone at work reaches out to you in a time of crisis. Because there's a sense of meaning and purpose and a connection to to God that you feel when you're able to weep with those who weep and empathize with those in their pain. There are some of you that have the gift of knowledge to such a degree that, that when you are able to help someone on your project team understand a formula or some detail or some obscure random concept, 
and it finally clicks, like you want to like cry and sing the doxology. Like, I love making these connections. I believe this is the distinction between a mere talent and a gift given by the Spirit that serves and functions as a way that blesses others, seeking the common good, but also brings about a manifestation of the Spirit that we feel as though God is uniquely present with us when we're exercising these gifts given by the Spirit to be given away. And so, friends, I think the question for us, I, I can't answer this for you all. We're not going to spend the next you know, 15 minutes like, assigning gifts to everybody. But you should ask that question, what are the gifts God has given me? How do I steward them for the sake of unifying the church, serving the needs of others, and glorifying the name of Jesus? And I'll be the first to admit, we, we are not great at this work of, of identifying and discerning and, and helping you grow in, in these gifts. We, this is something I know we need to grow in as a church. But I am still deeply committed to the fact that the church is the primary place where we identify, where we learn and grow in the gifts that we receive by the Spirit. Dr. Charlie Self, in his book, Flourishing Churches and Communities, describes the role of the church and the Spirit and our gifts and the common good in this way. He says, the local church is still the primary community through which God's people worship, grow, evangelize, and demonstrate compassion. I am firmly committed to that belief. All spheres of life are ordained by God and can be infused with the Holy Spirit's wisdom. When the glory of God and the good of others is in view, when all facets of life are saturated with God's presence, and every member of the congregation wakes up on Monday with a meaning for the day, the fruit will be greater than we can imagine. Y'all, this is the kind of church that I, I long for us to grow in more fully to recognize that we have been called out together, empowered by the Spirit, to, yes, serve the church gathered, but to also live out the gifts we've been given as the church scattered. And so as we gather and worship together and collectively submit ourselves to the authority of King Jesus, as we mutually serve one another and consider the needs and preferences of others more important than our own, I believe the Spirit reveals and refines the gifts He has given us. I believe we need the church to identify and grow in these gifts. And so, so if you want to know the gifts that the Spirit has given you, what I would encourage you to do is to establish your roots in this church, to be a part of this community, to be committed to these people and to this mission. Maybe that, that means just committing to regularly worshiping together on Sundays. Maybe it means joining us for our Church for Monday class. Maybe it means helping uh, start or, or join a community group if you, if you haven't done Church for Monday Maybe it means serving in some capacity, stepping out to volunteer and serve in ways that you haven't before, or, or maybe it's even just engaging in the, the disciplines of, of spiritual formation through the formed life. If you haven't joined us for that, that that's our church-wide daily spiritual habit uh, disciplines that we encourage you to engage in. But, but just find ways to be more committed here so that other spirit-filled believers might be able to encourage you and help identify your gifts. Maybe it just means getting together with people in your similar stage of life or your same industry and just asking the question, what does it mean to live fully alive in the kingdom of God, empowered by the Spirit, using these gifts in our various vocations? It's one of the reasons why I love our MOPS ministry. I think MOPS is incredible. I mean, that, that, that is absolutely the work of, of people coming together in their vocations as mothers to learn what it means to fulfill our role, empowered by the Spirit, to, to live out our role as mothers. I'm saying our as if I'm a part of MOPS. I love MOPS. They won't let me in. Uh, but, but truly, I think it's an incredible program, and I would encourage you to find the same way with people in your similar industry. 
But maybe all of this, maybe you're even just still wondering, okay, this is helpful, it's encouraging, but, but I mean, I, I need something. Help me identify what these gifts are. And, and I can't guarantee, this isn't a guaranteed list or method, like apply these three methods and your gifts will come in the mail via Amazon Prime tomorrow. But, but I would say this, is that through our text, there are three signs of the Spirit's gifts in our life. And I think it's when Jesus is praised, when unity is created, and when your neighbor is loved. Very simply, if when, when Jesus is praised, when unity is created, and when your neighbor is loved, I believe that the, the Spirit is at work through our gifts and accomplishing His work of manifesting the Spirit for the common good of others. Again, this is not a, an exhaustive list or a guaranteed method, but maybe ask yourself, where do these three things align? Or maybe even ask, how can I use my gifts to accomplish these things? Now, while I do believe that the local church is the primary place where we identify and grow in our gifts, it's not the only place where we implement and give away our gifts. The Spirit gives gifts to be given away, and we would be remiss if we failed to see how the gifts have been given to us for all of us for our mission where we are sent on Monday. I mean, can you imagine the Holy Spirit saying, these gifts that you have received that I've given to you for the edification of the church and the common good of all, they're only relevant on Sunday mornings for a couple hours and on midweek for students and Thursday mornings for Bible study, but, but it really doesn't have any relevance outside of that jurisdiction. The, 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 the work of these gifts have no bearing upon your work, your parenting, uh, and your schoolwork. That, that is absolutely an absurd idea because our God's design is not fragmentation, but integration. It is the connection and the collection of all of life in one place. I love how theologian and philosopher Dallas Willard puts it. He says, let's say I'm a plumber and I'm going to clean out someone's sewer. How will I do this as Jesus would do this? If you encounter difficulties with the people you're serving or with the pipe or the machinery, you never fight that battle alone. You invoke the presence of God. You expect to see something happen that is not the result of you, regardless of your vocation, regardless of where you find yourself this time tomorrow. If you train yourself to thank God when those coincidences happen, you will see them as patterns in your life. The crucial thing is to be attentive to God's hand, not to get locked into the one-on-one thinking, it's me and this pipe. Never do that. It is never you and your computer. It is never you and a client. It is never you and a student or a teacher or your child. It is you and the place that you are working and serving and the presence of the Holy Spirit with you. Church, you, you and I, we are empowered for God's mission on Sunday as well as on Monday. And my prayer is that we would be awakened to this reality more fully, to the power of the Spirit that is in us, who manifests the presence of God to us and advances the kingdom of His Son through us in every sphere of life for the common good and the glory of Christ Jesus. Amen? Now, as I say that, maybe that's enough to kind of inspire and move you. Like, yeah, let's, let's do this. Like, I feel like we need to stand and cheer, but, but perhaps some of you are still thinking, I just don't see the connection How is it possible that the the Holy Spirit who hovered over the waters of creation is at work in my mundane Monday life? And my hope and prayer is that we would see that the same God who manifests His Spirit through all people serving the common good is at work in and through your vocation. And as a way to kind of awaken our imagination to that, 
My hope and prayer, church, is that we would be awakened to this reality. That yes, that we believe in the power of the gospel that Christ has come to redeem us and rescue us from sin and shame. But we also believe in a gospel that says we are not just saved from something, we are saved for something. And that something is the mission of God in seeking the restoration of all things through the power of Christ and the work of his spirit in and through his church.